So, we are joined by eminent guests here. Pat O'Brien from The Media Show and Tom Hanley from Tom Hanley's show and the Saturday Chronicles. <laughs> and myself, Dara and Jim Collins. So, we had thought we would like to do a bit of a reflection over the year of Saturday Chronicles. What were the highlights for everyone? And while we would love to fit in everybody's highlights, we want to give, I suppose, acknowledgement to all of the presenters in Saturday Chronicles who have done phenomenal work over the year. Um, I myself joined in April and Dara joined in June. Yeah. And Pat O'Brien has helped out as well. And Tom, I think, you. how long have you been with Saturday Chronicles? Oh, you're decent day one, am I, Jim? Yeah. 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 And, yes, and Jim, as he doesn't like me referring to him as the godfather of Scarf Bay Community <laughs> Radio. Um, so, Jim, actually, we'll start with you. What do you feel has been the highlight for you, or how do you feel with regard to Scarf Bay Radio itself? What have the highlights been? How has 2022 been? I suppose there, there have been a number of highlights, but the, the main highlight for me, I suppose, has been the fact that Scarf Bay Community Radio is becoming more and more an integral part of East Clare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right across the, you know, some, some people say, oh, it's, you know, sport is the main thing. Some people say music is the main thing, news is the main thing. It's, it's across all genres that yeah. we do. Yeah. Um, you know, people tune in obviously for sport, and it's, it's hugely popular. People tune in to, know, to the news to know what's happening. Mm. They tune in to Saturday Chronicle to see what's going on in the different areas and what are people talking about. Yeah. Um, they tune in for Mass on a Sunday morning. They tune in, you know, in the religious side of things. They tune in for the Rosary on Sunday evening. Um, and I suppose maybe Pat will talk a bit more about it, but more and more things, we have begin, been out and about mm. a lot over the last year, yeah, uh, right around all of County Clare, actually, yeah. um, looking at what's going on and bringing, the, I suppose, the colour of events to our listeners. Yeah. Um, so it's that that's the main thing, I suppose, the fact that people have been, uh, you know, are, are more and more conscious mm. of of the work and the service that Scarif yeah. Bay provides. Absolutely, but fair play to you all for for all of the work that you do. And Pat, moving over to yourself, then, even in terms of. Your experience with, with everything going on and the media show, what, what have been the highlights for you? Well, I suppose I started um, in July, two and a half years ago now, and we, we I think I proposed here at a meeting that we'd, ha- we'd have a media show. So um, it's, it's gone from strength to strength, and we have a kind of a regular panel of um, people involved. And uh, there's a great bit of banter between there is uh, a lot, between, of, lot of banter between yeah. the people, and <laughs> I think John S and, and David Fleming. Yeah, there's a great banter between them over various <laughs> historical events and things like that. But anyway, yeah. uh, it's all a bit of fun. I suppose uh, we we discuss the papers every week, and um, we have the Clare Echo and uh, and the Clare Champion, and um, all the all the various. Uh, <coughs> I suppose news events and the main news events around the county uh, is discussed every week and the, the panel uh, have a chat about it and uh, you know the various things. So I suppose um, when you go back uh, to COVID-19, um, it, it affected all our lives and everyone mm. and business and everything. And uh, I remember being down in Shannon two years ago and Michael, my son, was home from Canada and he had to get tested before he went back. And then he was getting a car to drive to Dublin. Yeah. But uh, Shannon Airport was like a, a ghost town. Yeah. You'd, you'd say it never came back. And I was there before Christmas and the place was packed. Ah, yeah. brilliant. And, uh, and you know, I, we flew out from out, out uh, our holidays there during the summer as well. And uh, uh, there was a great bus around the place nice. and, and packed out. So uh, it was marvellous to see that back. And, you know, I suppose when Rashi Castle and Craig and Owen and Nepal Castle, we were covering those... Um, those um, uh, events as well during mm. the year, and there's a bit of a, a bit of a standoff between the government and the and the county council. 
over them. Yeah. So we would be hoping they'd be sorted out. Nice. And And in terms of, yeah, I suppose, live shows where you've actually been out and about around Clare. We have, yeah, we have been we have been out and around, out and about. Um, uh, we've been in Spencer Hill. We, we, we the whole first program I think Jim we went up to Spencer Hill there during the summer the the fair and mm. we had a great day in it and a bit, bit of fun. And, and I uh, have to say that was that was great because I mean it was the first time Spencer Hill was back after COVID. Yes. And yeah, it was yeah. the four hundredth anniversary. Of the, of the, oh wow! Of the, of the and it fair, was yeah. it was great yeah. to listen to it like yeah yeah. 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 And then we, we were on Fecal, myself and Jim were on Fecal, and we joined the festival in Fecal, and we made three, I think it's three programmes out of the gym. We, we did, yeah. We programme, and we went around the town meeting people, and uh, then there was a programme on um, uh, Eileen O'Brien's, her, her, her dad, uh, she launched a, a, tape, a, a, a CD. So there was uh, going to festivals now is tough work, but someone has to do, do it. it. I know, I know, it's hard. Yeah. And didn't we get, is there a new like mobile unit? Well, there's a mobile unit in train. It's yes, not, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. working yet. Yeah, okay, okay, we get you. Yeah. But I suppose we, we went to Spence, we went to St. Bernard into the matchmaking festival and Anita, Anita uh, Ryan doing her, her programme from the hotel and myself and David Fleming went off and we... Did a bit of research. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> we interviewed the people uh, going there and that. And that was, was, was great fun, really. Yeah, nice. Uh, and just a story, I suppose, we, we, we met up with these ladies from... Um, from West Cork, uh, they were from Dunmanna, uh, uh, which is a way just cut out to West Cork now. But anyway, we, we had a chat with them and we were, they said, oh, we're up for the fun and the, and the crack and the, a few drinks and the, the dancing and all that. And I yeah. said, I said, are you looking out for, um, are you looking out for members of the opposite sex? Oh no, she said, we've men at home and we're trying to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you were that kind of fun. Very right, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And then, Tom, for yourself, what have been the highlights? Because you have, obviously, your own show as well. Yeah, well, I do the Saturday requests on most Saturdays, I suppose, really. Mm. And it gets moved around. It depends on what GA games are on. Yes. Like that. Even got moved to a Sunday one occasion. But Patricia <laughs> uh, <laughs> Moore and myself uh, do the Chronicle then about every four or five weeks. And I have to... Patricia Ann sends her apologies she can't come in this yes, morning yeah. but uh, she's a great woman to do the research you oh know. yes she's, yeah. you know which is I have to take my hat off to her you know that uh, she's get, lines up a lot of the guests for that and takes the pressure off me yeah, because yeah. I'm still working for my sins and yes, yeah. have a, a fair commitment to that at the mm, moment but mm. that'll change too but you're talking about highlights and you mentioned the uh, Fecal Festival but Jim and myself presented Sarda Chronicle that uh, morning from outside uh, um, the Dublins and um, I think the first person we had on was was it Aoife Hayes yes. telling us what's on Pat's daughter then we talked to Father Harry Bourne and that was very very interesting yeah. Pat Hayes came along and joined in and before it kind of merged from one guest to the next and yes. it, it, even two of them yeah, one, that one continuous flow that's and that's right. the way it should yeah. be yeah, and lovely, then yeah. towards the end Matt Purcell came in mm. with <laughs> the very funny letter about the a series of letters about the pitchfork you know and that was very very funny I know you, Jim yourself and myself came out of that programme and said this is what community radio is about yes. yeah, 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 yeah. and just mentioning the, the whole pitchfork scene and the, um, Matt was talking about the, I think what prompted that was there was a letter or a picture in the Clare Champion in the previous couple of weeks of Pat Purcell who was Matt's cousin well now poor Pat went to his eternal reward in the last week over the Christmas mm. so just a uh, you know, nice acknowledgement. Yeah, we should yeah. remember the people that are gone yeah. too. You yeah, know, he absolutely. was one of those characters in Fecal, larger mm. than life character, you know. But then, uh, otherwise, 
the interview that Leo Doyle and Pat McNamara did with Eric McNamara, I think, was one of the standout pieces. Yes, I remember that. Radio. Yeah, very That's, good. Down, you know, yeah, yeah. And I've listened back to it since, and I listened to it again and again and again. I think in the next coming years, you know, it was just mm. great piece. You know, then uh, let's see. In December of last year, we talked to John Lennon, who's the chief executive officer of Doris Limney, yeah. and they're dealing with um, asylum seekers here people in direct provision and mostly in Nakodashin and the conditions that they have to go through and even still going on. Yeah. You know, they were in the start of the call spread that there was uh, a lot of them intense yeah. on the grounds in the inhuman at best. You know? yeah. Now, okay, we've had, there was no talk of the Ukrainians coming at that stage and in fairness to the uh, Ukrainian refugees that are coming here, the government is maybe given the priority in one sense, but they're being fast-tracked, I'd say, and they get their uh, permission to work and whatever else, you know, and they're, mm. most of them are anxious to contribute to yeah. society. And last program we had was the last, it was last Saturday, Christmas Eve, uh, we t- spoke to a Sasha who's a Ukrainian pilot, okay. who is very anxious that he can transfer his qualifications uh, skills, yeah. uh, to be recognised within mm. Europe, you know, and he's a, he, his ambition is to be a commercial pilot for yeah. one of the big um, airlines, you know. Fair so yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I yeah. think I think that's one of the things as well that like I know over the years obviously people coming from all countries seeking refuge mm. is the length of time. Now my understanding is that it takes about six months for the actual visa process to be started. Yeah. But there's I, I don't know if it's still relevant, but it used to be that there was a bit of five year ban you weren't actually allowed work for five years until all of the paperwork and everything got through but it meant that people were coming highly skilled but yes. then weren't allowed to use those skills yeah. and then also were now not no longer up to date with the skills but so i'm just thinking given the circumstances yeah. with the ukrainians yeah. that visa process should be done faster no it should but for absolutely for everybody yeah. so and i think they're working on that but i think the problem is is that we've got incredibly well skilled people coming into the country seeking refuge who don't want to seek refuge. They want to be Mm. able to be at home in their own countries, but at least to be able to actually benefit from all that they can bring to our communities. And, you know, like, I mean, I think there's so much, and I think this is where even community radio comes in, is actually to learn from people that are coming from elsewhere to actually how, like, who are they? What what is their culture about? How are they finding their experience being here? What can we learn from them as well? Now, we do have a snippet from John Lennon, from Durst as well. So if we actually just play a little bit just to remind people of what he had to say. Doris was set up, as you said, 21 years ago. Um, The name was chosen because Doris is Irish for door and the idea was that it would be an open door or welcome for people coming to Limerick. It also stood for Development Organisation for Refugees and Asylum Speakers. And the initial focus was on people who are coming to seek asylum or international protection. Um, as it's also called, in Limerick. And direct provision had been started. There were some centres open in Limerick and some of the good people who started the organisation wanted to ensure that there were supports there for them. Um, We broadened the scope of the organisation over the years to cover all migrants. Um, Our work has extended in lots of directions, but unfortunately we still have direct provision, even though it was set up supposedly as a temporary measure back in the year 2000. So the government have committed to ending it in their current programme. We have a white paper that outlines at a very high level how that would happen. 
And we're hoping that they stick to that commitment and do what they say, which is to end it by 2024, because it's, it's, it's a terrible system for anybody to have to live in. It's a particularly bad situation for children who may be born into a, a remote, you know, cramped direct centre in some part of Ireland and, and go up there and, and spend their formative developmental years in a system that's really poor in terms of resources, in terms of access to society, any aspects of it. So we really want this system ended as quickly as possible. I mean, people cannot even come and go without signing in and out in many cases. They have to read their meals when they're served up. They're often very poor quality meals as, as well. It's extremely difficult to get to and from work, even if you are one of the lucky ones that has a work permit. So it's, it's essentially social exclusion. It's, it's, you know, people are not allowed to integrate or to be part of society. They come here from persecution, from war, from oppression. And, and the consequences of spending years in direct provision is that it's, it's, it's re-traumatizing or adding further to the traumatic experiences that, that people have had. We should have a memory and understanding of migration and, yeah. and how we've been treated. But as well as that, you know, we, we've also seen over the last couple of years what the appalling and devastating consequences of institutionalized living was for some people here in Ireland. And to a large extent, we're repeating that yes. now with direct yeah. provision. Yeah. And we'd be looking back in another couple of decades and we'll be asking ourselves as a society, how did we allow that to happen? How did we allow people, to, you know, to, to have to live in a situation where their mental health became utterly destroyed? You know, where, where children became disenfranchised, disillusioned, couldn't find the means to, to progress because they weren't able to get to, to engage in school or go to university yeah. and do, as you say, what they wanted to do, which was to grow up as... As, as Irish people in the same way as any other children. So I think that's in, incredibly, um, incredibly powerful what he has to say. And I think it's also a good reminder for all of us that we're all experiencing like, you know, the cost of living has increased dramatically. There's so much going on with regard to war, climate change, but also what's actually happening locally here. So, Tom, I don't know, do you have anything else that you want to add yeah. on to that? Um, you were nodding your head there earlier on. Mm. Listening to that, I yeah. suppose, you know, it, it, he said it all in a few minutes there, really, mm. didn't he? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And that was the piece that I picked out of that interview that I thought uh, covered it. But, uh, Bringing this right up to date now, you told Ukrainians and they wanted to work here. And I was just reading in the Times this morning while I was having my breakfast. Um, Ukrainian doctors, mm. when they come here, they can't sign on. Yeah. The first thing they have to do is they have to have a, a proficiency in the English language. Yeah. But surely that's not the biggest obstacle these days. I was talking to a friend of mine whose son was a national teacher in Athlone, and he is a Ukrainian in his class. Google Translate mm. works Wonders Wonders, them, you yeah. know, yeah, and they, they will acquire the language. Yeah. but there is means and ways of going around that too. Like, yeah. Yeah. but it takes time. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also the, the trauma that they're going through. Yes. And they've all of these other things expected of them that they have to learn English. They have to learn this. Yeah. They have to yeah. learn that. Yeah. They have to yeah. do all the paperwork. You know. And the medical council, no more than the veterinary council, then have an exam once a year to test their proficiency. Yeah. You know, for people. And I did approach uh, some of my colleagues that are on the veterinary council, wondering if this could be uh, fast tracked. And it's, uh, no, 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 we can't do that. You know, we might yeah. open the floodgates, you know. 
Yeah, and sometimes you need the floodgates to be opened. Yes, you do. And yes, I think, yeah. like, we had uh, one of the first guests that I had the pleasure of actually dealing with was uh, a lady called Ira Mayalova, and she had just come with the, I think, about 20 or 30 other Ukrainians to Flagment. And Flagment really just led, the, I suppose, led the stage with regard to I led the charge with regard to actually providing shelter and support for people coming in from Ukraine and did a phenomenal, um, just phenomenal support. So we actually just have a little piece from Ira, just even in terms of her talking about Ukraine, Ukrainian culture and all that Kiev had to offer prior to the war. Ukraine is a great country with a wonderful kind of hospitable people. Very beautiful green. There are many parks and squares. We even have a Kiev Sea. Uh, it's a reservoir is called okay sea of Kiev yes uh, the wide river Dnieper maybe you know which Dnieper river Dnieper. oh yes yeah yes uh, on the banks of which Kiev is located yes that's D- D- Dnieper Dnieper yes. yes in Ukrainian it's Dnipro yes Dnipro the yes. river okay. and uh, Kiev it's a majestic city of opportunities I left my heart and my soul there uh, Kiev is beautiful rich uh, insights there are many beautiful places coffee houses in Kiev the most delicious coffee mm. most yes, yes. <laughs> the best service because um, everything our people do they do it with soul uh, Kiev is a city of opportunities because um, you can come there uh, with a big dream with an empty pocket and uh, it helps you in everything I know yes um, this is my favorite city and uh, even when I traveled I always wanted to return home no matter how good it was anywhere so I think from what Ira had also even to say throughout that interview as well was just even talking about the fact that you know, she had brought her son who was six and how to integrate him into the school, into the local community. I think was he learning hurling? Um, <laughs> you know, there was so much, but like he, they themselves absolutely loved being in Flagmount. I'm not sure where if they're still there, if they've moved on. But no, they're like, actually still there. Are because they still there? Yeah. We do have a, a Christmas greeting which goes out. Uh, in both English and Ukrainian. Oh, very good. Uh, And it it periodically comes up on the schedule. Yeah. And if you hear it, and it was Ira who who did it for us. Oh, isn't that fantastic? Pat. I knew you'd get her in. We did say that to her. We said, if you're good in the radio, that's it, Jim, I'll have you on. So uh, you got her. That's brilliant. But even, even her description there of Ukraine before the war. Yeah. Like she mentioned there, it was it was it must have been a fabulous country, yeah. and even and even Ukraine now it has a lot of um, natural resources. They they describe Ukraine as the breadbasket of the world. Yes, yeah. And I mean, it's destroyed. They can't. Yeah, yeah. You know, nothing nothing can happen there now anymore. Like yeah. you know. Yeah. One thing Ira did say there about Kiev and her soul was in it. You know. Yeah. And this bringing in the the war. You know, mm. the Russian conscripts. Their heart and soul is not in that war, but every Ukrainian's heart and soul yeah. is in that fight, and that's why they've been able to put up such resistance yeah. against the Rus- the might of the Russian yeah. invasion. And I had actually I had the the privilege of being in Kiev in 2019. I was visiting a friend, and like that, just to actually see it, and it still had a lot of trauma because there was the Euro Maiden riots that happened in 2014, yeah, and yeah. I think it was about 130 people were killed. So there's been a lot of problems within Ukraine and aggression by Russia so it's even to have to deal with that all the time now having war in their country now having to move now having to resettle but even to try and actually rebuild Ukraine you know and that actually leads us on to one thing where myself and Tom and Martin McMahon and Paul Bugler had spoken about looking at doing a farming show 
and it's still in our goals. We will get there one day, but we just haven't got there yet. <laughs> but one of the things as well was actually the impact of not only climate change, but also the war in Ukraine, how it's actually even impacting us here in Ireland and impacting especially farming, fisheries, food production, food supply. And so we just have a piece here from Martin McMahon actually just talking about that, like what's going on in farming in Ireland and the impact that the Ukraine war is having. Um, can I just? Ha- I'm going to actually invite Martin McMahon here to, to say a few words Please himself. Okay. <laughs> uh, I suppose, uh, Jennifer, you touched on a few very important points there, and you touched on that there's no uh, future for no young youth coming into keep agriculture. And I suppose in the recent few days, we have seen how how much uh, the European farmers have actually been agitated from the fact that the cost of producing their food has increased so much this year that they've all taken onto the streets. You've seen the, the farmers in Holland, Germany, all those countries mm. are really coming and they're protesting now because Europe, I think, have lost the run of themselves and they have forgotten about food production. Tom touched on, he said, there's no food supply is a safeguard. Before, years ago, I remember when we had intervention. And we all complained about all this food that was being stored in intervention and how are we going to get rid of it and how are we going to sell it and it was going to bring down the price of our food when it came on the stream. Now we have no intervention. We have nothing to turn to. We see that uh, the food food, uh, basket of the world is being turned upside down every day. It's so sad to see actually what's going on. And I suppose the the knock-on effects are not going to be felt until probably September, October, until we face into the winter, when we see that a country will produce something like 2.2 billion tonnes of grain produced, sending it into the EU every month. Mm. Where is that going to come from? Where are we going to turn to? We can see oil has gone up so high this year, it has cost, it's affecting everybody's pocket. And now, when the silage and all is over, we can see the that oil is starting to come back, we begin to question, is it supply and demand mm. that is actually, and is it going to increase when the when the demand comes again as we face into the winter when people start using oil and that? You just wonder. But at the same time, Russia was producing the world of oil. There's definitely going to be shortages going forward. Mm. But our farmers are not being thought about. Everybody is thinking about everything in the world, mm. but they're not thinking about food security and where it is going to come from. And I think we have to turn towards that and turn more towards. And I think it has to be, it has to be a European right. We need to do it here, mm. but it has to be done at Europe. And Europe has to think that how are they going to keep their farmers producing and how are we going to make it more lucrative for young people to take up farming. I think that's the future, mm. young people coming into the industry. I was asking myself a question coming over the road. I'm, as the fellow says, the older farmer generation. And I was saying to myself, would I change what I have done over the years? I said, no. I met a young girl in a tractor going off top and coming through Tom Graney. And I said, look at the grand day she's going to have out on the farm today, Toppen. And I said, look at the grand days I have put down on my farm over the years. It has been a great, it has been a great life, if you like. It's a lovely life out in the farm. But yeah. it's no good if we're not able to make a living off of it. Mm-hmm. And like... The tools we have is the land we have. And unless we're able to use them and it's worthwhile using them, food production is going to disappear. So 
powerful words from Martin. So I don't know if anybody wants to add anything on to yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, he mentioned there about, you know, food security. Like, people have been talking about the war and everything mm. else like that. People are saying maybe we should turn to be more self-sufficient yeah. and growing our own stuff Absolutely, in the back garden. Yeah, Going yeah, back yeah. to the 1940s, 50s. A yeah. micro-economy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Micro. And exactly. that's what we've spoken about that before yes. in terms of, like, mm. if you... Years gone by, it was about the mixed farming, you yeah. know, so everybody, you had a pig, yeah. you had a handful of cattle, mm. you were able to provide for yourself, you also had local creameries, you had your local abattoir, yeah. you had the miller, you had the mills, you mm. had the tanners, you know, that there was so much more that was at a community level. We, we, were, we, were, we were supplying our own sugar. We had, yeah. we had four sugar factories, weren't there? Yeah. We, we don't have any now. When you yeah. buy a bag of sugar now, uh, sugar is on it, but it comes from Germany. Yeah. 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 We're, hev- we're too, in, too heavily involved. Yeah. Or mm. Too much, sorry. Too um, reliant on Alliance, sorry. Us, yeah. In other countries. Yeah. Um, but, Pat. There's 80% of, just before we go from the food, there's 80, I, I, I don't, I see an article there recently in the paper, but there's 80% of the food uh, in the supermarket is imported. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And so 90% so of what we produce, whether it is uh, yeah. in the meat line or in the dairy line, it's, it's has to be exported. You know? And yeah, that's yeah. the it's other point as well that is. I made at the time is just obviously with my own work on with seed savers is that like over 95% of our food, oh, sorry, should I say nearly all of our food, whether for human, animal, insect, all comes from seed. Mm. And without seed, we don't have food. Yeah. But yeah. yet there's such stringent regulations on seed. There's also the fact of since Brexit now, there's been a lot of issues trying to get seed in. There's also restrictions in terms of being able to actually get seed grown in Europe and the likes of Ukraine and Russia and get that in as well for farmers to be able to grow, whether it's just literally grass seed, whether it is growing vegetables and the like. And we also import most of our potatoes in from Scotland. Um, but actually over 95% of our food to grow vegetables, that seed itself is imported. And we have the likes of seed savers, brown envelope seeds and one or two others. But really more needs to look at the actual full food cycle from seed right through to the food production, food supply and the supports that the farmers need for that as well. And I'm I'd pass, just going back to your uh, briefly there to your media show again. You wanted to mention these. Um, I'm just looking at it here. Very funny headlines that you came across during the year. Yeah, we we this was during the we we had a bit of fun with the on on the program, and um, um, the poker in assignment says no. I think we we had a lot of debate about the yeah, poker yeah. there, Jim. Jim we did indeed. Yes. Jim, Jim wanted to be with the scallop there, but <laughs> on the lawn, yeah. it, Well, it our our bodike or even outside Turla Harding Field was suggested. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'd say Luke would like it down in Tom Grady there. In the, in the indeed, but, he would. But I don't know. Have you seen the poker statue? But I I I personally. Don't like it. Yeah. yeah, I've only seen photographs of it. Yeah. I haven't actually seen. Yeah. It's, it's modern art, you know. Yeah, it's up. Uh, it's still up in Clare and it's mm-hmm. put up, up, up beside uh, Michael Cusick um, cottage up in in, in Cairn, uh, Michael Cusick Centre. Yeah, so it's up there if anyone wants to yeah. go and see it. Yeah. Yeah. and yeah. also Trump as well. You you've a bit on him. Yeah, well, I think Paris might have had a great hidden and the and the echo during the year as well. Well, I suppose it was the end of last year. Um, when Trump was defeated, West West Clare Hotel you defeated in the US yeah. presidential election. <laughs> I remember that. That was fantastic. <laughs> so uh, probably get that hidden on the on the on the, yeah. on the, on the echo. And so. then also, um, I suppose just bringing it closer to home, Jim, you had one of your highlights for the year. Was Mike McNamara? Yes, uh, Janice and I um, asked Mike in in September, um, and the reason being it was the twenty fifth anniversary of uh, Clare's. 1997 All-Ireland win and uh, I mean Mike is is certainly 
able to to talk oh and God, yeah. able to chat and you know able to describe the things but it it was something i suppose that those of us i mean Pat and, and Tom would agree because we all remember it so clearly but it was something that maybe in some part of our minds we never thought we'd see in our lifetime mm-hmm. uh, is to Clare, for Clare to win in All-Ireland and I mean in, in, in the last 30 years they've won three All-Irelands yeah. and hopefully that's not the end of the story. Yeah. I know Tom wears a Galway hat as well. <laughs> no, well that's only if it's Galway When it's safe to there. do so I yeah. imagine, yes. But, um, but Mike was the trainer of that team in the 90s and you know I suppose I have a small snippet here and it's, it maybe just gives an idea of, yeah. of, of what it takes you know to, to or some of what it takes to win in All-Ireland, so maybe we'll just listen to this. My idea in the middle of it was uninterrupted access to players, irrespective of what happened. I had uninterrupted. If I decided to train for 40 nights, 50 nights, nobody questioned me. If you questioned me, you were off, gone. So they did it our way. <laughs> yeah. I remember being in, in Crochine one night in, in Ballyline, training, fairly ferocious. And uh, the, f- the county footballers there were under John O'Keefe. And John O'Keefe was d- did a marvellous session in, in skills and football skills. And I said to him at the end of the thing, John, I said, their, their fitness levels are, are terrible. Yes. I said, why would you be doing a uh, skills level with an unfit team? And he <laughs> said, well, I have to make up my mind. I can, I can have them fit or I can have them skillful. But I haven't time to, to do both, to, have, to integrate both. So we were able to integrate that because, we, you know, if shower rain came, some people had done for cover. We were on <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's Mike, you know, the idea of um, some people, their idea was if it started raining, they'd run for cover. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to knock all that out of them, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I think he, he, he proved his, his, his points when, when they weren't towed at him and they were maybe a bit unlucky that they didn't win at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And can I ask, being a dub and not fully au fait with the whole GAA <laughs> goings on. What really have been the highlights? Because there's been so much with regard to Scarif Aganalo have had great successes. There's been like great wins throughout East Clare as well. Like what mm-hmm. really have been the highlights even in terms of the sport? Well can coverage? I can I just say well I'm I'm a, I'm from the St Joseph's sec- I I go to school in St Joseph's in Tulla and I don't know did you cover it back in January, but the Hearty Cup win, the the St Joseph's Hearty Cup team, I mean that was an absolute Fantastic moment for Tulla. Yeah. Um. It's God. I, Tulla never ever got to a Hearty Cup win, and uh, it was great to see them win first time. Um. And it was a phenomenal achievement, and we were all very proud of them, yeah. and we still are. Yeah, of course. You know, so yeah. it was great to see it. God, that, that's nice my sporting well. moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that from an East Clare point of view, in the last two weeks, there, there's four under twenty one. Uh, hurling titles there's yeah. A, B and there's two C championships yeah. and every single one of them came to our area here in East Clare nice. Scarif Ogunla won the A Broadford won the B um, the Mills won the C mm. the one of the C competitions and yesterday Scarif Ogunla won the other C so uh, that's, uh, that's brilliant yeah. mm. I think that's fantastic it's really going from strength to strength yeah, yeah. yeah it's fantastic yeah. Yeah, and she was supposed to come over in the last two years as well, uh, Jim, and uh, winning Munster, and you know, and maybe a bit unlucky they didn't get to another island. You know, the, 
weather conditions and all. Yeah. Um, you know, it's fantastic for 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 yeah. Camogie and East Clare. Yeah, it absolutely, is. Yeah. Yeah. it's fantastic, and it's great to see so many people getting involved. Of course, and, and I'd look, like to just go to a class that actually explains the rules. And you have ten teams now in in the county. I think it's ten in the senior championship, and, and there was very little between any of them. This very year. little yeah. between yeah. any of them. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And it must be so exciting actually being there and reporting on it as well. It is. I mean, it's 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 a privilege to yeah. be doing it and to be, you know, at the heart of the action. And yes. I mean, we have a great team with, say, led by Leo and Pat, mm. um, as Danny Chaplin, mm. uh, Kevin O'Regan, many, many more yeah. who, who bring it to it. And Pat as well has, has played his part in it. And just to do another little plug as well for the Scarf Bay Community Radio calendar, um, which on the cover is Leo. Um, so... Very much a sporting theme, and so Pat. a good and Pat, yes. <laughs> um, so very much a sporting theme for this year's or for next year's calendar. So please make sure to get your copy. And I suppose I'm just conscious of time now. Yeah. I mean, moving on a little bit to to my highlights. Yes. That I that I found uh, during the year. I did, you know well, Pat. Um, I did an interview there with uh, a priest in Labuschagne and West Clare. Um, called his name is Father Paddy McMahon, and I spoke to him there a couple of weeks ago at his house and. Um, we had a great old chat, and uh, but I, I, I found this in particular very interesting, his own perspective of the Catholic Church in the future. Yeah. So we'll play a little bit of it there and we'll see. There's a well, you, you are on the radio There's now, a difference so. between East Clare and West Clare, you know. Oh, yes. Uh, and I support your own. <laughs> not, not so much support. You, you, there's something about West Clare. Yes, 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 yes. If you're born in it, it's hard to leave it. Yes, and yes. I was glad when the bishop could come back here, and you know the house is perfect here and everything. You know, yes. not that it wasn't perfect over in Bridgetown, it was, and there were lovely people. Some of the finest people you'll ever meet anywhere mm. are there in in Bridgetown. I suppose I'm just a little conscious of time now, but um, talk to me about the Catholic Church overall. I suppose in Ireland and all around the world, we know that it's struggling. So where do you see it now in the future? That's a strange thing to ask. Uh, you know, the, the way you put it, you know, that it's struggling. The church has always struggled. You know, whether you like the reading this morning, St. John, uh, the Apocalypse, talking about how the people had lost their first love. They weren't hot or they weren't cold. They were lukewarm, and they made him sick to his stomach. Mm. Well, a bit of that is here in Ireland at the moment. Mm. Uh, they've lost their first love. Maybe got into loving other things, loving the material wealth that they have now. We're one of the richest countries in the whole world. Uh, and yet we have the poor mouth on us all the time. Oh, we should have this, that, and the other thing, and have it free if possible. Uh, I'd say... Uh, the church in Ireland, in that sense, as long as you understand what the church is, the church is the people. It's not that building outside there. It's the people. And when the people, when there's weakness in the people, then the church is weak. Uh, the thing that a lot of people like to do is think of the church as the bishops and the priests and, and blame and them. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the church is all that shower who not going to mass, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So until no, but what I what I'm saying is, uh, we know that there is 
shortage of priests, especially in rural Ireland. So how can we solve that problem? Do, now, do, just, just do you think that uh, we should change, we'll say, I, I suppose the rules really in a way that maybe we should allow women to become priests? No way. <laughs> I see. So you disagree? I do disagree, yes. I do disagree with that. But would would that not would that not you know I I suppose there's many women that would love to become priests. Oh, there's lots of people who'd love to be. And priests. would that not solve the problem of, of no, the shortage no, of priests? No, no, no. Uh, there are lots of other things. First, and people think of the Catholic Church. The only experience they've had of it is the Catholic Church here in Ireland. Yeah, that's not the church. That's not the the whole church. There's things about getting rid of the celibacy law for being a priest mm. fine with me I'd have no problem with that uh, but I became a priest and a celibate uh, but I don't see celibacy as necessary for priesthood so I suppose let me put this question to you do you think priests should be allowed to marry no not the ones who have already made their made their promise no Okay. but to have a married clergy do I see it no problem. Mm-hmm. So that you know you have. So I suppose how do how do we solve this problem of 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 shortage of priests and everything like that? Well, that's up to the leaders of the church. But there are lots of examples. You think of a few days ago, uh, in the readings we had a reading from Saint Paul's letter to Titus, mm. and he tells Titus, "I left you there in in Crete, to." organize the church. It says, so go around to the different places and pick out the men that should be the leaders of the community, the priests, the presbyters. That's what we, that's what he did. He went around and he picked them out. And he says, okay, you'll be the priest here and you'll be the priest there. Imagine the bishop coming around to Labashida and said to one of them on Sunday, now you'll be the priest. Yeah. You know, I had a friend of mine who was a bishop, Maronite right bishop out in Lebanon, and he was telling me about when uh, his one of his priests died up in the mountain village. I said, "What you do?" He says, "I went up there and I, we started the mass for the priest who had died, and then I told the people, now I want you to suggest three men to me who are going to be your new priest.'" And we'll go and have dinner and you can present them to me afterwards. So they did. Then came back and finished the Mass. And uh, three men were put forward. All of them married. They had to be married. And uh, he asked the, the the wives, were they willing that the men should maybe have to give up their job and so on? They were. So uh, he told me, come back uh after a couple of weeks, and tell him which one he had chosen. He actually chose the the village uh, uh, cobbler, the shoemaker in the village. He became their priest. And then for some weeks, he'd go into the bishop and learn his faith, learn how to do, how to say mass, how to hear confessions, how to do all of these things, and have a greater understanding of it as well. That was the way they did it there. Yeah. Or they do it there. Yeah. There's lots of ways that the uh, that our our right, the Latin right, is the biggest right in the Catholic Church. 
Now, so that was a very interesting piece from Father Paddy. Um, so I suppose just to kind of wrap up this segment, um, Dara, any other highlights that you want to share? Yeah, I mean, we obviously we don't have time now to, to play the, the, the snippet of the interviews, but I mean, uh, my very first interview I did with you here in Scarafay Community Radio back in June was with uh, a local from Tala, Kitty Laden. I suppose everyone is very familiar with Kitty. Mm-hmm. And uh, Asher, she was great. I mean, she she, she worked um, in the Bunratty Folk Village all her life, mm-hmm. making bread for all the tourists. Wow. So uh, an enjoyable job. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, she spoke about even... Uh, Romance as well back in the day, and uh, they they used to call it the plucking of the gander. Okay. The plucking of the gander, <laughs> and she she made a point. She said, "What what she said? She said you could you could marry you could have married the men down the road that could have been thirty years older than you." She said. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so to just int- interested to get her view on that, like, but um, I know she was a great woman, and I she she also plays a bit of music, and she's eighty five or eighty six now, and um, she was also on Fox News in America. Wow. Um, she actually got COVID and uh, she wasn't, she was kind of stuck to the bed really. Um, and uh, her son is over in America and um, she did an Irish jig on the seat, dancing away. Nice. And uh, yeah, no, she, she was on Fox News America. She got great publicity out of it. And also um, she raised money then for uh, Children's Hospital in Crumlin. And she walked, was it uh, 60 kilometres? for it wow. and she raised was it, I think 15,000 euros wow so she's an amazing woman yeah, for her yeah, age yeah. absolutely amazing yeah. I really enjoyed it now nice yeah. that's great Pat any more highlights you want to mention yeah I suppose we, we, we um, we're not going to go here and tell her we uh, was, was opened there by the Minister Heather Humphreys and um, it's a, a two million project uh, that really McNamara took on in uh, our comedy and um, it's a marvellous building mm. and uh, you know they have um, they have um, a lovely place for concerts and they have a, a fire out the front yeah. and, and the air and, uh, and a place for, for singing sessions and lovely. all that. It's, it's, it's a marvellous centre. I think they have, they have accommodation in the old convent as well but that they, they have renovated as well and they have uh, rooms for music um, learning where um, uh, teachers can go in on Saturday mornings and do each room and have their own room for, t- for learning the teaching music. I'm sure yourself yeah. and myself had a great old day a couple of weeks ago there doing the show. Yeah, we had, yeah, marvellous. Yeah, yeah we've we done, we done a show uh, yeah. this hour, the Connecticut from, from Knoxville. We had yeah. there a couple of weeks And ago. they have marvellous Wi Fi, Pat. Oh, they have. Yeah. That's <laughs> <is> absolutely <laughs> essential when you want to put out radio shows. And the. the, the, the they have the the first Friday sessions, uh, music session or um, singing session there every month and uh, people come from over Ireland and they stay in the accommodation there, they stay in there overnight some people. Nice. So it is marvellous. Great. Tom, you, any more highlights? Yes, and two things I suppose in, I think it was May, June we talked to John Cushnan and that was after the uh, Northern Ireland Assembly elections and he being a former leader of the Alliance Party and Alliance on the Rise so we had a good discussion about that and then I think in November we had a chat with uh, Patricia Ann's husband Eddie Monson Brown uh, to give the whole Ukrainian war and just to give kind of an overview of it. and I thought that was very informative as well kind of feeling and that's we're not all parochial here as well. mm. we can go international as well yeah. just take a look at the broader picture you know yeah. as I said uh, as, as I said off air there as a station, we have our fingers in an awful lot of pulses yeah. around here. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And long may it continue. And I think for me, that's probably my highlight. Like I joined, I know Jim had 
asked me several times over the years. Um, but actually even just joining Saturday Chronicles and being part of the team and learning a lot more about East Clare. And like I know we can all kind of get into our own little cocoons of busyness and day to day and what we're doing, whether it's school, college. And you have work. no idea what's going on. And you don't really yeah, know. Yeah. And I just think the importance of like even having my parents listen to this and yeah. them even going, oh, my God, there's so much that actually goes on in East Clare, like they're in Dublin. Um, but meeting so many people, actually just learning so much. And I think even one other highlight for me in terms of an interview was having um, Sharon Cahar uh, from Sharon Cahar uh, Solicitors or Cahar and Co-Solicitors and also Valerie Smith from the Irish Hospice um, Association just talking about the thinking ahead form and all that kind of planning for the end, how to actually ensure that you get your affairs in order so that you can actually make space then to live the rest of your yeah, life. And yeah. It's definitely informed my own business, which I've launched, which is looking at all of that. But I think there's just so much that actually happens happens in East Clare and throughout Clare and it's really great to have the opportunity to have Scarf Bay Community Radio and have Saturday Chronicles to really highlight and give a platform to promote everybody and as much you know so I'd say for anybody that has maybe an idea or has something that they want to share please do get in touch with us and let us know because we'd love to have you on because it's such an opportunity it's a weekly show it's a way again to raise awareness about what you're doing or even to discuss something that may be of interest and I know probably from Jim if you're interested in being involved in the radio we're always looking for new volunteers and and especially younger recruits younger recruits yes yes, yeah. yeah. I like the way that you pointed at me but you know (laughs) thank you Um, but I I think definitely um, I think more people that we can get involved and the the richer the actual experience is both for the listeners and for everybody involved so I think on that note then Jim what's been any other highlights that you want to add no I'm just thinking Janice my we interviewed a man who from this parish who is um, Archbishop Eugene Nugent yeah. and he's the, the papal nuncio in a number of countries in the Middle East and it was his first time home because of Covid yeah. so we, we I know we don't have time to play it now but a brilliant interview yeah, yeah. with him um, Tom knows him well yeah. also be a good friend of his but uh, he had an awful lot to say yeah. so we, we might re- go back on those and I mean yeah. to remind our listeners again I mean all the interviews we discussed there I mean you can listen back to them on, yeah. our, on our podcast or our website yeah. so but they were all great interviews and we really enjoyed it now. Yeah. And I think, Jim, you mentioned about maybe compiling all of all of the things that we played and didn't get to play. And I mean, didn't get to play here today. Have, we yeah. could have had a show going for several hours we uh, could. playing we all could. of the pieces that yeah. we wanted as the we highlights. We might put together a few short, yeah. you know, sh- yeah. short pieces yeah. Yeah. Um, because nobody wants to listen to it for three or four hours. Well, you never know. You, you never, never know. know. <laughs> but definitely check out Podbean or Scarif Bay Radio. Yeah, Podbean. And yeah. If on the, they're all on Podbean, yeah. all yeah. The, the talk shows. And if anybody wants to get in touch with us as well, it's info at scarifbayradio.com. So um, on that, we are actually going to end with one of the more recent live music sessions that we had with Anthony and Aidan Quigney. Uh, They joined myself and Dara on December 3rd. So we're going to play out. Thank you very much to Pat. Thank you very much to Tom and Jim. Dara. um, For all of your pieces, I think we've seen the value of doing a recap of the year. Definitely uh, very interesting to have discussions. So we'll play this and then We'll have another guest afterwards.